Guys, Ali is bullying me in the chat because I said that we should produce a clone army of Yariel Poofs and they didn't like my message. Start your sublight engines. It's time for RuPaul's Pod Race, a queer Star Wars podcast. Welcome back to another week of Obi-Wan Kenobi Chaos. Today we'll be discussing Obi-Wan Kenobi episode or chapter four. So spoilers ahead. Uh, my name is Claudia. My pronouns are she, her. You can find me on social media at Kaludia says, K-A-L-U-D-I-A says. My um, Obi-Wan theme gender of the week is Star Wars is love for baby handcuffs. Baby handcuffs for Grogu. Baby handcuffs for Leia. What's up with that? Baby handcuffs and baby torture? That's a lot. To be fair, I think gate. she was in an adult-sized torture chair. Yeah, a lot to unpack there as well. It's a lot. Yeah. I so wait, so they, they have baby-sized handcuffs, but only an adult-sized torture chair? What's well, up they, with they, that? They're, they're, they're ages torture of me, for tots. Yeah, no, no. It's um, Their torture for tots program hasn't really been greenlit <laughs> yet, so they have to get it up and running before they have all the extra Not stuff. Not torture for tots. <laughs> I'm Jess. My pronouns are they, them. You can find me on social media at Kawaii Jessio. That's K-A-W-A-I-I Jessio. And my gender this week is Sheev Palpatine's secret little Funko Pop collection in the Fortress Inquisitorius. <laughs> the Funko Pop collection? <laughs> my, you know, that, no, that, I'm happy to hear that because I've been waiting to get my hands on a Terrace, a Terrace Anube Funko Pop, and I'm kind of jealous, honestly, that Palpatine has one and I don't. So I'm Noah. My pronouns are he, him. You can find me on social media at the Jewish Jedi. And my gender this week is Obi-Wan Kenobi's is softly pickled, brine-infused body. I could not get away from that thought while he was sitting in that little back-to-tank. Yeah. I think I, of pickles and I think of valence. <laughs> that valence? Yeah. Valence, my thing. Baylor, my bestie Baylor. Val- it's pronounced yeah, balance because ba- it rhymes with balance. Does anyone want to explain that for the listeners? No, because nope, I don't understand it. Very much giving Mari Sanchez. That's only for the yeah, the Valens Nation people. They know. Hi, I'm Mel. I use they them pronouns. Um, you can find me on social media at Melvin Culpa and on TikTok at Grunkle Rex. Um, sorry that I wasn't here last week. Um, I was getting a question by the inquisitors with noah i didn't say shit i'm not a snitch um just like leia and with that may i just say my gender this week is leia's white woman tears <laughs> Rebo was like that will not work on me bitch he said please that's that's enough i'm you are going to the chair no when she said let's make those tears real i was like that was really fucking funny actually <laughs> i know i was like i want Reva's such a great like antagonist like she's just like mm, I'm coming for your ass you, there's no you I don't care if you're a child I will still beat the shit out of you Moses needs an Emmy just for being able to keep a straight face for that whole dialogue scene of like having this conversation with an, a 10 year old I'm Ollie I use any pronouns you can find me on social media at Ollie Fresh it's fresh with a ph and my gender this week is homophobic dog Riva um and this is because when she was talking to Tala Tala was like uh yeah ha, ha, ha. and she was like I know what you are and I was like oh for it for pride okay I know what no, you are I can I can so see Riva saying your month is coming isn't it no no she was literally <laughs> saying your month is coming Obi-Wan for those who may not know who are listening to the podcast, can someone explain the homophobic dog? Okay, so there's a dog named Whitney Houston who is owned by two gay people. Um, but 
there was a funny image of series of funny images released of her um, with funny little captions that are like bit fruity in it and your month is coming and everyone was just like this dog is homophobic and or uh looks like anya taylor joy not that those are mutually exclusive uh <laughs> exactly no get reva away from the homophobic dog no, no okay she because isn't reva, homophobic dog. she yeah reva shows up to like where any other um like reva shows up to any other like jedi event like we're sending them and she's like pack it up skittle squad <laughs> that's how she brings them in that's that's how she starts every inquisitorious meeting she's like okay pack it up skittle so squad. true no that's how she Listen. closes out the, that's how she closes out the zoom call that they have she's like so all right true. pack it up skittle squad let's she's, go <laughs> she's like fifth brother you don't know how to count pack it up skittle squad let's get this was a shorter episode um but there were still a lot of things that happened how are we feeling about it? I hated it. I think that women shouldn't write Star Wars. That was a joke. I actually really, really liked this episode, like, a lot. I think we've gotten past the point where it was, like, uh, almost, like, a lot of setup, I think. I think last week's episode and this week's episode were both, like, we're getting into, we're getting into the action, which I think is good for a, if you have, like, a three-episode, like, a three, like, three-episode structure. And in a way, I think of when it's six episodes, it's basically like one and two are one, uh, three and four are one, and then five and six are one episode. So I think if you take that into account, I think that the pacing makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I also, I liked it a lot. I will say I'm a big fan of like a heist movie feel and this, I, I love a sneak into a secret base kind of thing. Um, I enjoyed that. I also will say that a lot of the characterization that was starting to happen in the first couple of episodes, I feel like came to some good fruition here. Like one thing I liked especially is how Leia like seems so much more trusting of Obi-Wan in this episode. I liked that a lot. Also, and this is from near the end of the episode, but when she grabs his hand and the music swelled up, I was like, I'm going to actually get emotional for a second. I'm not going to lie. I, in the middle of the episode when she was being interrogated uh, and Reva was keeping a straight face, I also, she had some moments when she genuinely showed fear or whatever. And I was like, first of all, this child actor is amazing. And second of all, I'm visiting with my nieces and nephews right now. So when, when she like held Obi-Wan's hand or whatever, and I was like, hmm, I have decided to start crying. Literally. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I. A lot of people complain about pacing in general and pacing in TV that is shorter now, whatever. I think it is doing quite a good job. Um, I also very much like, we've talked about how like it's it's had ties to all the different uh, eras, but in this one it felt very, very Rebels-like because in Rebels we see like the early foundations of the Rebellion and here we see something that's clearly like a, I don't know, like a, a proto- to one of the cells of the rebellion and we see like one of the we see one of the first people to die for leia that she knows about which is pretty of many in the future um and we see like kind of this proto rebellion like when they had like the ships come in to save her i was like yeah the rebel alliance. i was like wait that's not the rebel alliance but that's the feeling that i am getting and also when the 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 new character i forget his name um but he seemed really Yas and very Slay, who was kind of running the the path thing. Um, and he talked about how he used to be married to a former Jedi who died. I was like, Harrison Dula moment. <laughs> um, I hope he meets Harrison Dula and I hope they're besties. So 
I have brain rot because when you were like, oh, the person runs the path, my um, instantaneous is like, all right, Marcian Rowe, and then we'll get it. You're done. You're done. <laughs> um, I will say his name is Roken, played by O'Shea Jackson Jr., and he is my new favorite Star Wars character. He's so cool. I love his vibes. I loved it a lot, honestly, um, because the fact that when Obi-Wan's like, well, we have to go, and he's like, you are not my most, my highest priority, and all, like, because when Obi-Wan was like, you don't know the cost of the Empire, I was like, um, I'm pretty sure that he does, and then it, I just, I love that moment where he's like, he's, he's like, I've lost people to this, I've lost people to the Empire, specifically because of this, however, that does not mean I'm not going to help you, like, he basically, like, despite what he's experienced and despite what he's lived through is still willing to say, but this is worth it to me. I actually, that was a very powerful moment because I was like, finally someone, first of all, called out a Jedi on their shit in the middle of this and was like, your actions have consequences, queen. But I also like the fact that he was like, and despite the fact that it's really painful for me, I know what I've committed to by being a part of the rebellion. Like, honestly, the way that the characters in the path like acted, I was like, so all of y'all are clearly very ready to like lose your life over this, which is, that was very cool to see in like this sort of, like like you were saying, Claudia, like this proto rebellion cell. I would like, that was like a really cool thing that those characters were doing. I also, I think that was also a very Harrison Dula kind of quality. Cause I think that like she eventually, and she loses Kanan and she becomes a general and whatever. I'm reading the alphabet squadron books right now. So this is, this is her post. I have some issues with those books, but like, it's very much her post this kind of stuff. And like, she has lost a lot and she has a lot of people who say some things to her that aren't really great, but she still has that, that, not that compassion, but that thing of like, Hey, actually, I do know more than you, but I'm not going to, we're going to keep it pushing. Um, And it also just shows how out of touch Obi-Wan was. I also thought that in that scene, clearly, like, Obi-Wan, he was, like, in the tank, and then, like, they finally got him dressed or whatever. And, like, in order to show, like, obviously we had the things of, like, oh, he's starting to finally use the Force, and he's getting a little more badass, whatever, in this episode. But there was also the visual part of, like, in that episode, he, in that scene, he starts dressing like a Jedi again. And I was like, oh! That's the Obi-Wan I remember from the Clone Wars. Wait, hold on. <laughs> um, and I just, I was like, uh, I love visual storytelling. But I was also like, how many Jedi have passed through here that they have, like, hand-me-down Jedi robes? I've made myself sad. Well, we know they're not Quinlan Vosses because they had sleeves. I know, no, okay. <laughs> so Ollie and I watched the episode together, and the relief... Because the, the fucking cycles of gr- the fucking stages of grief I went through because they opened to that like you know the fucking fifties <laughs> fucking Tupperware party full of gelatin mold of Jedi, um, and fucking there's the, uh, there's a gentleman in the left hand corner and I was like oh no it's that Quinlan Voss and then Ollie was like no he has sleeves on it can't be him and I was like okay it's so true okay we're good we're good we're good, uh, so Do happy we- he made it. No, literally. I was I was very nervous at who we might see, uh, but we saw Teresa yeah. Nube. <laughs> I but I so what yeah, that our... was a callback. I was not ex- I was not yeah. of all of the bitches they could have put. Teresa Nube was really not uh, the fair, one I was expecting. Who, who else would they have put? Like Mace Windu, okay, Yara Poof. Yara Poof died way before. <laughs> yeah, Yara oh, Poof. <gasps> okay, what no, if no, Lil no, Poof no. had been no, in there? If Lil Poof had been there, I would have been violent. He blew okay, up. So... Or so, Kit, you know so that? Yeah, no, Kit Fisto. No, we saw him die. <laughs> Kit Fisto. Okay. I sorry. I have one more thing before we move on. I think Kit Fisto survived because I saw a YouTube video about it seven years ago. <laughs> and I agree. And I agree. No, no I'm just saying. With the Ray Palpatine theory. <laughs> Shut up. I saw Don't a YouTube video about me. it in 2016, and then it became true. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying.
interesting. I think Yarl is actually in there. And I think he's just been there for like, like Palpatine's had him on ice for like literally so long. Like Mari like, Santeca. He's trying to figure out how to be, how Yariel was such a throat coat. Yeah, okay, no, literally he's like he's Nancy like Reagan. Nancy Reagan. Yeah. Is Yariel <laughs> don't, the Nancy Reagan no, of Star don't Wars? Don't disrespect no, Yariel. Don't. No, not okay, during okay, Pride yeah. Month. <laughs> Okay, no. No, but if anyone's like this. fucking Nancy fucking Reagan, it's fucking Oppo Rancis, sorry. I really hate yeah, Oppo Rancis. Yeah, fuck fuck yeah. Oppo Rancis. Okay, no, but can I but can I just say, can I just say this? Palpatine has him because he's like, I want a neck that long. And that's why he has that stretcher he had to put Quizzy on to sort of elongate him again. This is a trial run to make Palpatine physically much longer. And that's how he takes over. That's the why galaxy. Snoke looks like that. Yeah, Nar. exactly. <laughs> he's like, I, he's like, he's, he's like only, he's like the only way to truly have the power of the dark side is to be weirdly long in the head. <laughs> That's what he's starting to do. In like a more roundabout way to wrap this conversation up, um, this was once again more foreshadowing to like Palpatine's bullshit because it was like, oh yeah, like he is keeping these bitches on ice so he can figure out how to clone force sensitivity. So, so this was what I've been wondering. I'm always, I'm connecting the dots, whatever. Obviously, we saw Mount Tantus again, which we saw at the end of season one of the Bad Batch, and then we see, we Wait, saw we it in did? the Bad Batch season, we saw, well, I'm sorry, we in saw it again. Episode? No, 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 I'm sorry. I, I, let me finish my sentence. So, we saw it again in the Bad Batch season two trailer. So, we know we are going there again after we saw it at the end of Bad Batch season one, but we also know that. By the time of the Mandalorian with Grogu, they are doing experiments. Uh, they were doing experiments with Omega and something with the Kaminoans, but the, by the time of, of Grogu, they're doing midichlorian count experiments. And this makes me think, obviously my first thought was, oh, this is where they keep the remains of them, either because as the dark side, they pull power from their, their, their remains and their essence, and that's how another Rebels reference, they used uh, Luminara's remains to, to draw people in, but maybe it's something else. Somebody noticed it was like, oh, it's like they're being held in amber, kind of like Jurassic fucking Park, but like um, maybe it's that they started the um, the Force-sensitive cloning experiments using dead Jedi or suspended Jedi, um, and that didn't work, and then they had to start finding more Force-sensitive children to then do do expect like maybe this shit doesn't work after a while or they lose they lose all the the bitches in the amber and then they have to start like finding the like the kids like Grogu anyway I've connected all the dots also if it, Thrawn will somehow be involved so okay actually actually I had to have a question regarding this episode so there we did see a purge trooper in this episode. Do we think that was a clone or do we think that's just some guy? Because I, I'm leaning towards just some guy, however. So I unfortunately do think it's just some guy. I admit that I have some disease of the mind though, because the literal second he walked on screen, I was like, oh my God, it's Cody. He's here. But like, basically, this is what, this is 10 years after the, after the fall of the Republic, right? Yeah. So I think, I, I think it was probably just some guy. Like I, cause also in Fallen Order, they're, they're not clones, right? The purse troopers are not clones. Do we know? They're not? Okay. Um, because this is after that. So I would guess that they're just dudes that have been trained to kill Jedi. Yeah. And I mean, the whole thing that they were dealing with was sure Vader has some, has some clones in his like little bestie squad, but like for the most part, they're just getting retired out and like being sent to 
sent to pasture. Yeah, and the other thing about that too is this is five years before the start of Rebels. So all of the clones, if you look at their ages, they would all be like in their 50s-ish. And we saw the clone in the beginning of this show who was, I know it seems like he had been hardened by life, but he was not like a young man who was doing shit like he used to. And like, keep in mind where like Rex and Gregor and Wolf are going to be in what, like three years? Not three years. Oh my God. Yeah. How long? Like four years? Are they in season Between two? Between now and Rebels? Or season three? They're in season two, but even so, like... So that's going to be, like, six years. Okay. I trust you. I'm not good at math, so... But I think, like, it would make sense that it's just, sadly, just some guy. I, I do... Another thing I did like about this episode was, like, there were just some genuine, like, Star Warsy moments where I was like, yeah! And I, like, jumped out of my seat. I was like, I'm genuinely enjoying myself! What is this feeling?! Um, we talked about the, the earlier one with, like, the, the ships, like, swooping in or whatever, um, but the moment when Obi-Wan, it's, like, it's not, like, his full, like, I'm back, bitch moment, but, like, when all the lights are out, and then you just see, like, his lightsaber or whatever, and he's, like, I've come to slay, that moment, I was, like, yeah! Like, I was, like, yeah, I'm watching a really good Clone Wars episode! Like, I felt very alive, and I was, like, maybe I do like Star Wars! <laughs> um, it was it was very slay. Um, and also him, like, holding back the entire pressure of the water. I was like, yes! An icon! It was giving Bell Zetafar. I will also say, um, Tala Girl, I Love You. Uh, she is quickly becoming one of, like, a character that I love. All, I think, like, I can't put my finger on what is so slay about her to me, but I just love watching her work. I watched a reality show about her, honestly. No, because Callus wishes he was Tala. So true. Callus's fulcrum is like, dang, I wish I could do more. And Tala's like, I am. Zev meets Tala and he's like, why aren't you like that? Zev meets Tala and he's like, am I straight? No, but I did, you did make me think about it for a second though. No, I, I just was thinking of like, Callus is like, you know what? I think maybe I will turn on the Empire. And he starts like looking up people who have been like, you know, known Imperial enemies for being like traitors or whatever the fuck. And he comes upon records of Tala and he's like, I have to study everything about her. And so, like, she walked so that he could he could run. I mean, she is more slay, but that, that's what I mean by that. I, I feel like he studied her. So that her. he could lightly walk. She's a, yeah. She is a slay elder. Yeah. So, so true. Okay, so something also that has really has struck me about Tala as a character is also just, like, it's so refreshing to have this because Book of Boba Fett, I don't mean to shit on this that series, but, like, when women talked to each other, it was never just like, oh, this is two women talking to each other. It just felt somehow weird and bad. This felt like it was like, oh my God, she's talking to Reva. And like, I I fully believe, mostly because I feel like Deborah Chow is not going to, going to fridge not one, but two women of color. I do feel like at the by the end of the show, Reva, I think next episode, we're going to get Reva backstory and finally like, what is your issue ma'am um besides you know the torture i i think she could become a turncoat and work with with tala and her little her little skittle squad um i don't know why i'm saying skittle squad so much this episode i don't know i've been thinking a lot about like tala's little little bestie squad first of all in the background of one of the shots christina ariel got to walk in the back and i was like finally canon 
canon Christina Ariel. Um, for those for those who don't know, listening, Christina Ariel is the host of the High Republic show, which is the the YouTube show um, that's all about like all the High Republic news and everything. Um, and she's a friend of the podcast. Yeah, and she's a friend of the podcast. She is amazing. She's incredible, show stopping, never been seen before. But I, everything. So, um, you know, go watch the High Republic show. Obviously, so true. But yeah, anyways, so there's that. And then also I've just been thinking a lot about like Tala's whole entire group of the path itself and just like how how slay they are. And like just thinking about proto-rebellion groups like like the path, like the the, the Cloud Runners, like Sagrera's little bestie squad and how how different that they are from the rebellion, but also how similar they are to the rebellion. And also, I just think that they should all work together and honor the legacy of Lorna D by saying, maybe we should start killing bitches. That's, but also, like, I mean, we were joking about Lorna D and the High Republic, but also, like, that is also a very big strength of the High Republic because the High Republic is about Force users and is about Jedi, but has very strong depictions of how do regular people relate to Jedi? How do they feel about Jedi? And they are important in Jedi's lives. Like, I think that's a big thing in the in the in light of the Jedi or whatever. Like, so it's I love that that has even though we are in a time of darkness, even with Jedi or without Jedi, I do very much like how even now we have this thing of like, you know, we are all the Republic. Oh man, I just made myself upset. No, absolutely, I completely agree. And then also a thing that I. I think is really interesting about them and like the, the whole entire notion of the path just like like as a, a concept he, here and now without the context of the high republic and with the context of the high republic the idea of people and this is once again just me fan and this is things i am making up but i think could be true the idea of them using paths to relocate jedi without the empire being able to like touch them is so Yas and Slay. That is so Slay. <laughs> oh, fuck you, Marcian Bro. You should choke to Let's death. Let's go. Oh my god, no, because oh my god. Okay, spoilers for Out of the Shadows, but Vernestra has the paths. She just has a way to figure it out. The Jedi could still get the paths, and here's how. Anyway, Vernestra Rowe founded the paths. She went through the world between worlds to save the Jedi children. I wish slay. that the path was a real thing and not something that Lord made up for that song. Stoned at the Nail Salon was written about Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> Oh, true. <laughs> oh, just like my how mood ring was written about comac vitus oh my god um i do also think it's funny so fallen order takes place five years before this right um and i know that in fallen order calcast just like goes through and just fucks up the inquisitorius building he, it gets it gets fucked up but then by the time we see it in this it's like okay so i love how like every five years the inquisitorius building it's like gotta go <laughs> it's getting close for renovations <laughs> Okay, <laughs> something I will say, though, about that is in Fallen Order, <laughs> in Fallen Order, it is not just Cal. Like, Cal came in and, like, he, like, hurt some things. Darth Vader was, like, ripping shit off the walls and, like, hurt. Like, he was literally, like, put, there's a part where you have to run away from him. And Vader's, like, ripping up walkways and shit and, like, throwing you around. And it's like, dude, this is your house. Like, what are you doing? He also throws a lot of stormtroopers off of railings, and you're like, I didn't do that. I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> like, that's you, you your just... employees. Technically, technically, that's not his house. His house is on Mustafar. He was just like, uh, this is my this is, my this silly little friend's house, and they're trying Vader's to steal Airbnb. my job. No, it's fucking Aww. Sheev's. It's it's Sheev's fucking. <laughs> it's Sheev's fucking timeshare. 
Nar. Yeah. Nar. Well, I mean, they said like, oh, this isn't um a, this isn't a palace or a fortress or whatever or a castle. This is a tomb. So this is like this is Sheev's mausoleum. And he was like, fuck it. I, I don't um, care about it. It is dead. a fortress. It's literally in the name. Fortress Inquisitorius. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I, but I do love how he, well, here's the other thing about Vader is that he doesn't like anything that could replace him. That's why he doesn't yeah, like Yeah, that's why I was Star. saying when he's going after Cal, he's like, I don't give a fuck about this place. I don't give a fuck yeah. about these guys. But also, like, if this place has, like, the future of whatever, like, Force-sensitive clones or whatever that's got to be Palpatine's long game. He, he, he doesn't give a shit about that. He hates that shit. So he's like, fuck it. I don't care. Which, he's a, it's so slay of him. He, he's a he's a contractor who leaves mid-build mid and leaves a person with, like, fucking no insulation in their walls. Vader? No, no, okay. Because Vader is the... Vader is, like, a van lifer who got halfway through the project and said, I don't want to do this anymore. So he's ripped out all the parts of the car and is like, well, it just sits in the driveway. He's sitting in the driver's seat, but there's no seat. He's driving No steering wheel, no gas. It's like, well, is that not there eventually. Is that not how he is in the fucking TIE fighter in fucking A New Hope? Absolutely. I mean, um, Vader's general vibes, I mean, obviously his general vibe last episode, but his general vibe this episode of your mom coming home and you haven't taken out the chicken that <laughs> you were supposed to take out of the freezer. The, the chicken in question is Tara Sanube. Tara Sanube is kind of chicken-esque when you think about it. I guess, I mean, the only other thing that I guess I wanted to bring up is uh, Vader because I find him, I found him very interesting in this episode. I feel like a lot of uh, the hashtag commentary I've seen on the internet.com.edu.gov is um, about him, like, not being evil enough or not being, like, violent enough. But I'm really uninterested in Vader's rage. Uh, What I find interesting, though, is how tonally different he feels in this episode in comparison to, like, how we see him later. So, but I like this because I feel like by the by the time we see him in like the original trilogy, he's a much more like broken human being, like emotionally and stuff. And he's not that here. And I, I like that a lot, actually. I think that this is like a masterclass in framing, talking about how Vader is, because he's theoretically not acting that much different than he did in Rogue One or even in the original trilogy. But what's really cool is because we are in these scenes in the Inquisitorius, um, Riva is like our, for all intents and purposes, our POV character. So we are seeing how Vader looks from her perspective. So Vader is framed as this like, this ultimate big bad who is infallible. And I'm not saying that she necessarily thinks he's infallible, but she knows that his abilities are just much, much stronger. I just think it's really interesting. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, especially the comment you made about framing, because I hadn't really thought about it that way. But like when we see Vader in the original trilogy, the context is really shifted. Um, I think it's similar to seeing him with Trilla at the end of Fallen Order. Like he's this terrifying force of nature um, at, at the end of Fallen Order. And he's also very scary here. Like you really feel uh, like shits hit the fan when he like like when he like lifts her up in the fucking air and is actively choking her. I was like, oh shit, he's like a lot. But I think I I think I felt that because Riva acting as our POV character, it really does recenter like 
the experience of seeing him act crazy and, and evil because it's like, oh, that's happening to her. And we're watching that like right now. Especially, I think, too, in situations where we see Vader, like, basically the only thing he's doing is being a force of nature, like he was in Fallen Order, and even like he was here. Like, he has his agenda, but he's not having to navigate, like, some sort of situ political intrigue situation. He's like, fuck that guy, or like, fuck you, I know exactly what I want to do, and I'm going to do it. And I think that that is a real, it's also, I think, similar in Rogue One. Where he's like, oh, I'm just going to go do this shit that I need to do, which is why people love the hallway scene. And I think it's a really, really interesting piece of framing that really informs his character. And it makes sense for Anakin, who's like, in in every instance we see of him, he's a very strong, competent fighter. Especially like during and post-Clone like during the Clone Wars. But when we see him interact, have to interact with more tact, that is not his thing. And I will say this, um, I think what I'm liking a lot about this, this performance of Vader that we're seeing in the show is I'm seeing a lot more of Anakin and Vader than I feel like I, we normally get to. Like, like, obviously, we all know the character is consistent because it is. But I just feel like his personality really does shine through all the shit that Vader does so far in the series i'm like oh that's anakin underneath there like genuinely it really really is and i, I like how much uh, cohesion that creates between these two figures that are often seen as distinct when they are as we all know you know like they're really unified as they're as they're the same person i don't know how much of that is due to hayden christensen or how much of that is due to the writing i also don't know if james earl jones is doing the voice or because people saw this in the credits they're deep faking his voice um, and using it to like sound more like Hayden Christensen. It would be deeply weird if they were deep faking so his voice and he dark. is still alive. Yeah. Um, I mean, they just said that they use the deep fake technology. I, I, I would love to know, but even so like shout out to Hayden um, for that. I mean, that was something I really liked about Rogue One also was like, the little lines and stuff that they put there was like, oh, that's very Anakin of him. Or like, this is very, also, it's very, like, you're seeing Vader more like Anakin than, than like, the Vader we see towards the end here, where he's, like, very to business. Like, we see him and he is, like, mid-busting down the hallway to chew somebody out for, like, um, and his management skills, they are there's, they leave something to be desired, um, but he's like, so he's a little bit more unhinged here, and I like how we can see that progression. I don't know how he wouldn't have sensed or guessed, like, hey, maybe she left a tracker on, like, maybe she left a tracker on, on her, and, and like, maybe there was a reason. To be fair, he's not known for his smarts. That being said, when you guys were saying um, he's uh, not doing stuff for political tact and he's just doing things Thrawn moment um I love when they're little besties I mean they are like canonically that is something I'm like it, he is screaming crying throwing up he is this Vader going into alliances is gonna be like man I have really I've been having a really rough last couple years and Thrawn's like yeah I can tell not yeah I can tell <laughs> I am also very scared because, like, the whole thing is, like, Leia trusts droids and et cetera, et cetera. And then, like, the last shot of the episode was, like, the droid is evil now. And I was like, no. 
Also, wait, is the book Leia, Princess of Alderaan, it takes place after this, right? Because she's becoming a junior yes. senator. So that would make sense why, obviously, we don't see Lola anymore, the droid. But she has, like, not a nanny droid, but almost like a, not a handmaiden droid, but, like, something in between a handmaiden and a, and a nanny droid a uh, in the book. Situation. Yeah. I'll do Cody watch, clone watch. There was, there was none. That That's it. So true. Not yet. We lost once again. Welcome to our favorite segment, Name That Ship. Name That Ship is when one of the hosts will find a fan fiction, be it on AO3 or on another site. It's usually AO3. Um, we'll read the title, the tags, and other relevant information. And then the other host will have to guess who the ship is. So who the main two characters are. I have brought one today. Oh, and also keep in mind, this is all in good fun. We love and respect the medium of fan fiction. Some of these are just crazy. And sometimes it's crazy in a good way. I have one uh, that was actually submitted to me. You can submit these to us. There is a form in the episode notes. Um, this was sent to me by Tavri. It's T-A-V-R-E. So this is rated uh, general audiences. Uh, for the tags, it is character A slash character B. The, like, there, <laughs> this is, there's a lot of tags. And I'm trying to think, because I feel like some of them are going to give away some characters. So there's, but I'll just read them all. I think it's fine. Character A slash character B. Boba Fett and character B. Boba Fett and character A. Character A and character B. Character A, or character B and Ahsoka Tano. Jango Fett and character A. Boba Fett and Aura Singh. Boba Fett and, um... Another character who I actually won't say because it'll give it away. These are and. Boba, Boba are, Fett and. Are, and, yes. And, okay. Not, not Slash. There's the only the yeah, first yes. two were Slash. Only the first one was Slash. Okay. Uh, Boba Fett and clones. The characters include character A. Character, well, so the first character listed is Boba Fett. Then it's character A, character B. Um, there's two other characters. There's three characters here who will immediately give it away, so I'm not going to say them, but I don't think they're... They're, it's it's fine. I don't think it will inhibit you from guessing. Original clone trooper characters. Aura Singh. Good parent character B. Adoption. Chaotic parenting. What is Star Wars if not Dilf's persevering? No beta. Clone Wars. Alternate universe. Canon divergence. Good parent Jango Fett. Aura Singh is the worst. Childhood trauma. Family bonding. Two fathers. Dads to lovers. LOL. How do I tag? Found family. Mandoa used poorly. Clones. The clones speak Mandoa. Mandoa language. Mandalorian culture. Established relationship. Boba accidentally saves the universe. Boba Fett needs a hug. Let Boba say fuck. Hurt slash comfort. Parental character B. And here is one that I think that you guys are going to love. Duolingo Mandoa. <laughs> I have seen I have seen this fic before. So I will refrain from answering. Is Din Djarin one of the characters? Dinjarin is not one of the characters. Is this, this is in a... the Mandalorian era or is this in the Clone Wars no, era? No, this is Clone Wars. Okay. So he's a teenager? Uh, yes. He's a child, okay. like a so, young. So, so this is someone raising Boba, I'm assuming. Yes, correct. This is two characters who have basically become Boba's father figures and are now. Are any of them Force-sensitive or Jedi? One of them is, yes. Is a Jedi at that time? Yes. Obi-Wan? <laughs> no. Anakin? No. Mace Windu. Kip, Kip Fisto. Both of those are a little closer. Quinlan Vars. Plo Koon? <laughs> Plo Koon is one, yes. yes. Is Plo Koon, wait, so Plo Koon is in the main ship, right? 
He is in the main ship. And yes. is he character A or character B? He's character B. Okay, so for it's sure. Kloon and a non-Jedi character. Are they a bounty hunter? Correct. Um, no, but they they uh Hondo and Aka. brush hips with them. Yes. What? <laughs> it's Hondo Onaka slash Plo Koon raising Boba Fett. Um, That's so powerful. Wolf, Boost, and Sinker are also here, and they're like, "That's our little bestie, Boba Fett." That's it. That's all I have. But I'm just, I'm kind of obsessed with this. I think that this is very fun. I think that Hondo Onaka needs to be in more things, and I think, I think Plo Koon needs to have, needs to let his hair down. He needs a I little, agree. a goofy guy. He really is just a single mom who works two jobs. He is. Absolutely. Listen, I'm on the, I'm on the Plo Kit train. However, I think Hondo could be a good match for him. I agree. Okay, Wig. So this is my fic. Um, this was sent in by user F Fauna, and that's two Fs and two As. I I love this. I'm gonna preface by saying that Jess and Mel already know its content, so they are locked out from guessing. But Claudia and Ellie are not. So this is uh, character A, character B. That's or character A slash character B characters. Character A, character B. Additional tags. And I want to preface this by saying this is my favorite tags of anything I've ever seen in my entire life. We have pre-canon, or is it technically mid-canon? Young character B, one night stands, strangers to lovers, and right back to strangers, to whom character A is not a stranger really and chiefly himself. Let character A take a fucking nap, character study, Tatooine as a hardened mother to the lost, explicit sexual content, existentialism, pro-union smut. (laughs) This is my brand. And finally, character B's handkerchief as an allegory for clinging to identity as the as life seeks to devour you. By which I mean, hey, can I eat my shorts? This is an R flag meets death one of fan. Them, no, is one of them? Is one of them Cobb Vance? Yes, character B is Cobb Vance. So that that tag is Cobb Vance's handkerchief as an allegory for clinging to identity as life seeks to devour you. When, when does that this sounds occur- like something you could have written? I love that. Yeah. For you. When does this occur? Um, specifically, this occurs in 15 BBY, or just south is of one... 15 BBY. So, so, uh, so is this Obi Wan? Okay. It is. <laughs> this is a, so, so this is this is a one night stand between Obi Wan Kenobi and Cobb Van. And I, I want to tell you, here's my thing about this. This is actually a beautifully written piece of fiction. This is I have selected specifically the ending. Um, I'm going to do a close reading because genuinely I was like, damn, bitch. Okay. This is the last three little things. It was private out there in the waste, a place for thinking, for planning as he hid. That was what he told himself when he had arrived with a baby in one arm and the shards of his past in the other. Loneliness was meant for men stronger than he. Obi-Wan Kenobi could not afford to be lonely. He was alone. This was simply a fact. No sadness on its shoulders. He fixed its eyes on the small pile of sand and wished vaguely to sink his teeth into time. If somehow he could make it bleed, then he might have been able to rewrite all the letters scrawled by his fingers in the awful. Like, that is, uh, holy shit. I'm obsessed with that. Who is the author? This is by, so all the way back up to, chromatics, but the I is a one. Um, This person, you are, you have the biggest brain of anyone I've ever met. Um. Um, it's just wonderful. Also, no, because here's the thing: when I saw this was and I saw the tag "pro union smut." I was like, I have to do it. I have oh to God. do it. I have to do it. Because because Obi Wan, I, I talked about this first. Because Obi Wan, yeah, pro union Obi Wan, yeah. Is this how they get to know each other in the in the fic? Because he unionizes his workplace. I believe so. 
He doesn't even know his work place. No, 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 no. Because he, he and Cobb. When was this written? Because. Uh, la- this most recent April. Slay. Yeah. It's very slay, in my opinion. Prophetic. Yeah. Of the I also just, the, like, the, like the tags tell a story, but also the story itself is actually really good. Thank you so much for joining us this week for RuPaul's Pod Race. Episodes usually drop on Sundays, and while Kenobi is airing, we're back to our weekly episodes. For updates, Star Wars news, and more cursed shit, follow us on social media at RuPaul's Pod Race on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Want to ask us a question? Send us a question through our TikTok Q&A or email us at rupalpspodrace at gmail.com. If you really love the show, please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts, Podchasers, Spotify, or Overcast. It means a lot, and it really, really helps us. May the force be with you, and don't give it up. Waka waka. Waka waka. waka. waka.